That, um, that last little chorus, turn, turn your eyes upon Jesus, really has, is this, this practice of Lent, is, is turning toward Jesus, turning towards the Easter story and, and coming to understand it in a new way. It's this, this journey of, of humility, honesty with ourselves, and focus on Jesus, and that's, that's this journey we're on together as a community. We've, been, we've kind of been reading through the book of, of Luke to get Luke's perspective on who Jesus was and what he came to do. And uh, for those of you who have been following along the journey, it's, it's, it's been difficult at times when you read the, the, the words of Jesus and you look at yourself and, and you begin to, to think through, you know, how do I match up with what Jesus is calling me to? Sometimes that's, that's tough. If you haven't been reading um, along in, in the Luke journey, I've got some good news. So our reading guide, our bookmark is two sides. And um, if you haven't been reading we're actually turning over to the other side today. We start the back side, and so you can actually pick one of these up out in the lobby and start on the back, and as you complete it, it's going to feel like you did the whole thing. <laughs> it's like a bonus, right? So if you haven't been reading on the, on, on the journey of Luke, grab a bookmark uh, today and, and jump into the story. We're in chapter 12 uh, in our daily readings, a little bit different today. But, and before I, grab, uh, before I jump into the message and, and we, we, we look at the story for today, um, just want to give you a quick update, and um, as I do that, I'm going to ask the ushers to go ahead and come forward. They're going to pass some baskets. If this is your home church, um, then this is the time during worship that we give back to God out of the overflow of what he's given us. If you're a guest today, please don't feel any obligation or pressure to give anything. We really mean that. This is for those of us who consider this our church home. This is how we, we further uh, the ministry of, of this church, both here in the city and also um, around the world. But as they're doing that... Um, we have this, this building that we've been working on that uh, is, is going to be opening, and I snapped a, a picture of it yesterday um, just to get a glimpse. I was out front, and there were no cars in the way, and so I, I grabbed this, this quick picture on my iPhone. I'm going to send it to Apple, see if they'll put it on a commercial shot with the iPhone. Um, but we're, we're, we have our grand opening next weekend. I mean, are you excited about that? I, I mean, I, I just cannot wait. And... And here's the deal, that we built that space not just to gather people here on this location. We, we built it as a kingdom resource, a kingdom tool to further God's work in this part of the city. And he's increased our, our footprint, and um, it's just so exciting to be able to open that up to the, to the community. We've already got people in the community wanting to use the space. Just this week, uh, the, I think it's the Anaheim Angels, is that right? They're Anaheim now, right? Anaheim Angels. They were in this space, using this space. There were about 100 of them here. And uh, we have all these community organizations wanting to use our space. And it's so, it's so great to be able to expand that and open it up to the community. Um, just an update for those who have been a part of it. This was a $3.5 million project from beginning to end. We've really been working on this the last, uh, well, it's been going on for, for quite a while. But four to five years, we've been kind of raising money. And our goal has been to enter in. Um, on this side of the project, debt-free. So we wanted to do it debt-free, and we're about $300,000 away. And um, so we're so close to that, that mark. I mean, a $3.5 million project, and that's all we've got left. We can celebrate God's goodness and faithfulness in that, can't we? Yeah. Yeah. So here's, here's just a little bit of a challenge for those who consider it your church home. Um, I, I've... I've, I've I've been thinking about how can, we, how can we, like, finish this out? How can we get there? And like I said, we're just so close. If, if you're someone who considers this your church home and, and you've never given and you've never kind of engaged financially, I want to encourage you to do that during the month of April because April is when we're opening this up. 
And I just have this feeling like if we all kind of chip in a little bit, if all of us who consider this our, our church home, if we just chip in a little bit more than maybe we normally do, we could get to that finish line. We're so close to it. So if you don't, if you've never given anything and you'd like to jump in, now's the time. Jump in and, and let's get in debt free so that we're, uh, we're not taking on any, any more long-term debt because we really don't want to take on long-term debt. We want 100% of the funds that come into this church eventually to go out in ministry, right? That's what we want to do. So we want to be a debt-free place. We want debt-free people. We think that's the best way to live. All right. So um, we've, we're in this, this journey of Lent. And I've been thinking, uh, uh, as I've been reading through Luke with, with you, I've been thinking that one of, one of the most difficult things to do is to get a glimpse, a, a clear glimpse of who we are. Without, without like a cloudy perspective, right? To, to get a true glimpse. And, and I've been thinking about some of the most difficult uh, conversations I've had with other people in my life who were trying to speak truth into me. And I think back all the way to high school and college when, when I played ball. And one of the most difficult things that we did playing ball was watching film of ourselves play. And I'll never forget coaches, and they didn't speak like in a golf voice, like screaming, Anderson, what were you thinking? And, and I watched the tape, and my idea, I have no idea what I was thinking, coach. I, would, I, I wish I was thinking, but, you know... Um, you just have those, those moments where you come face-to-face -face with something that you did or, or this reality of, of, of what I'm doing, but I didn't see it that way. And I want you to write this word down. If, if you take notes, if you write things down, write this word down. Self-awareness. Self-awareness. It's one of the most difficult concepts. It's one of the most difficult things to grasp is a clear, true image of ourselves. In the business world, uh, if, if you're in the business world, if, if you're in management, if you're in marketing, um, if, if, if you own a company, you've probably seen this word or this concept pop up in the last five to ten years. Self-awareness has been a huge concept in the business world. And specifically, um, a, a practice called 360. Have you ever heard of a 360? Where you actually ask those who are working in, in close proximity to you, uh, anonymously to share the truth about who you are in working relationships. Now, this is a difficult thing to do, right? It's difficult to, to, to open yourself and be honest with who you are in, in, in the context of those who are around you. It's, it's difficult to say to somebody maybe that you manage or somebody who manages you, it's, it's difficult to say, hey, can you, can you tell me really what it's like to work with me? And then be open to the, to the truth without them telling, you know, who it was who said what. It's difficult to do that. Um, I'll never forget Joe. Uh, one, one time, a number of years ago, we had this honest conversation. And, and, I, and I said, what, what's it like to work with me? And he told me some really difficult things about myself. And so I fired him. And... Um, <laughs> I said, I'll write you a great recommendation, but you can't work here anymore. No, um, it, it, was, it was a difficult, difficult thing for me to, to receive from him. And I respect Joe so much, and, and, and I had to work on what he gave me. I had to work on the truth that he gave me. And he said, Matt, sometimes you're hard to work with because your expectations are so high for us. And it's like we never celebrate the good things. And so I've, I've really had to work on that in my life. 
how, how to celebrate the good moments in life and not always be concerned about how can we get better? How can we get to that next level? It's like, no, no, take a breath and enjoy the goodness of God for a moment before we move to the next step, right? It's, it's difficult to do. Well, the story that we find ourselves in today, it's a parable. Jesus tells a story. And, and, and I love the parables of Jesus because uh, sometimes they're, they're, they're just basic and plain and easy to understand, but other times I think Jesus tells parables because he wants to engage our minds at a deeper level. And you know, when we have to think about things, we actually own those things better than when just someone tells us what to do. You know, when I was in high school, when you were in high school, you just wanted to know what was on the test. Give me, give me like a study guide so I can memorize the answers, right? That's what we wanted. I mean, we're in church, be honest, right? That's what you wanted. You just wanted the answers because you wanted an A on the test. But when we have to engage our mind and think through, how do I get to the answer? Not just how do I regurgitate the answer. How do I get to the answer? We own it better. We own the information better. And I think when Jesus talks in parables, he wants us to wrestle and engage the mind so that we might better understand the truth about ourselves and the life in which we live. So we come to this parable. Jesus has gathered a large group around him. And Jesus always used images that, that connected with his culture. Now, you, you would imagine in, in the ancient world, uh, agricultural kind of society, where people were farmers, uh, they lived off what was in the land. Uh, to journey from, from one village to another, you would probably pass through many different uh, plots of land where they were growing different things or were cattle or sheep or whatever it was being herded there. So, so you can imagine these people understood the, the, the concept of farming. And so Jesus says, there was a farmer. And as he walked through his land, he would throw seed here and there. He would throw seed everywhere, and some of that seed fell on the path. But the path was so packed down, it was so hard, it had been walked on again and again that the seed wouldn't take, and the birds of the air flew, and they plucked up that seed. It took no root. There was no life that came from that seed. But the farmer continued just to scatter his seed here and there, and some of the seed fell on some rocky soil, and quickly these these plants sprung up, but as soon as the heat of the day arrived, the plants died because they were scorched by the heat. They didn't last. But the farmer continued to scatter his seed here and there. Some of the seed fell on some, some, some good soil, and, and it began to spring up, but the soil was also packed with weeds, and the weeds kind of sprang up around it. And eventually, that, that plant that looked like it was going to give life, it was choked out by the weeds and the thistles and the thorns that were a part of that area, and it died. And still other pieces of seed fell onto good soil, and it sprang up, and it produced a crop multiple times what the farmer had thrown. And then Jesus was done. Now, we, we hear that story on this side of, of Jesus, and we, we begin to get some understanding, and we think, okay, that, that kind of makes sense. But can you imagine, like, if you had come to hear a speaker, and, and he was talking about uh, some, some sort of life principles, and he told that story, and then he was done, you would kind of look around, and you would think, I mean, is this a farmer's convention? Like, what, what does that have to do with my life? I mean, he's, he's telling some crazy story 
about farmers, and, and I might be a farmer, and I might be able to take something, but what does that have to do with me as a person? And so Jesus continues to teach, and eventually his disciples come up to him, and you know, his disciples kind of scratching their head. And, and I can imagine, like, I, I never wanted to be the first one to ask when I didn't understand, because, you know, you don't want to admit, like, I don't have any idea what you were talking about there. And so his disciples kind of come up, and eventually one of them's like, hey, Jesus, you know, all those people had kind of gathered around, and they wanted to know about life and God and the world in which we live, and, and you, you told them about farming. Like, what, what was that about? And Jesus, I think, you know, once again kind of smiles and shakes his head, and he's like, doesn't anybody get it? And then he explains, you know, the story. He, he kind of goes into the story, and he, and he gives us a glimpse of what it means. And so I want us to look at the different elements of the story and walk through. Um, but as we do this, I, I want to encourage you to look deep within yourself and maybe ask God's Spirit to bring about some self-awareness into your life. And if we can do this... Um, no, like, nudging of your spouse today. <laughs> like, none of that, like, I hope my kid's listening right now. You know, is he awake? You know, none of that today. Like, self-awareness, right? Let's, let's, let's see if the Spirit wouldn't work on us. So there's three elements to this story, three main elements, right? There's the sower uh, or the farmer, and this is God, or others might see it as Christ. But this is a very fixed element to the story. It doesn't change. Now, one of the things that probably would have spoken to the, the people of that day and maybe would speak to us as well is, is the farmer seems a little crazy in the way that he throws seed, doesn't he? I mean, most of us think, well, if you want to get the most out of your seed, you should only throw it in the areas where it's actually going to grow and give life. But listen, God doesn't, God doesn't think like that with us. Aren't you thankful for that? That God throws his seed to all of us, regardless of the condition of our of our souls and our hearts. God, God is generous with his love and his grace and his mercy. He scatters his seed everywhere, and he continues to. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? I am, but that's a constant. God, God throws his seed to all of us again and again and again. The seed is the second element in the story, and this is God's word, Jesus tells us. It's, it's God's word. It's his truth. It's, it's the principles of his kingdom, and this seed is constant as well. The seed that is, is, is maybe tiny and, and, and not even noticed from time to time is what brings life for all of us. It, it's, it's, it's God's life packed into to little truths. It's, it's God's word. Now, this seed is also constant. It's not like some get good seed and some get bad seed and, and, and you get just a couple pieces of seed. No, no, no. God scatters his seed to everyone and everyone gets the same kind of truth from God. We all get it. The changing element in this story is what? It's the kind of soil. It's, it's, it's where the seed lands. And I think this is where Jesus is inviting us into the story. You see, the soil is our hearts. It's the human heart. And here's where the, the difficult process of honestly evaluating where we are comes. So Jesus says the first kind of soil is like this, this path. And you, you, I think you all understand this, living in Arizona. Or if you're visiting, 
take a hike in the mountains and you'll understand the idea of like packed uh, pathways where people have walked here and there, right? Um, the path is a hard heart. Now, I know the, the, initial, the, the initial response is, I don't have a hard heart, which may give you a little idea that it might be a little hard there. But the first, the first reaction is, well, that's not me, right? Um, in, in, our, in our desert landscape, there are these pathways, up, up even at, at the Lost Dog Trail right up here. Just some beautiful pathways. There's a, there's a short little pathway there right at the front. And there's nothing that springs up on the pathway. There's, there's no plants that, that, that spring up on the pathways because it's so packed down that nothing can penetrate it. Um, a hard heart has been walked on, has been beaten down, has been hurt, has been disappointed. This, this person, the outward expression of this, oftentimes is, is just a, a cynical nature, a, a bitterness to life. And in many ways, this, this hard-hearted person, it's very understandable. Some of the people who have hard hearts have had a, some of the most tremendous amount of pain in their life. I think about people that I know, maybe some people in this room who were abused and beaten down time and time again. And over time, when that's you, when someone walks on your heart again and again and again, eventually, you become so calloused that nothing can get inside. Oftentimes, one of, the, one of the ways this manifests itself is when God's truth is heard, the first reaction is, oh, so-and-so needs this. Oh, I wish John was here. I'm going to send this to John. Like There's, there's no re receptive openness to our hearts that, that allows God's truth to penetrate who we are. I mean, some of you get this, don't you? This place that your heart has just become so calloused. And Jesus says, when, when we live in this reality, when, when we live in this place where our, our heart remains hard over time, God's, God's truth cannot get in and, and, and no life can spring up from it's the pathway kind of soil. And then he says some of the, some of the seed landed on, on rocky soil. Um, I have some of this, uh, I think this is like river rock in my front yard, right? A couple little areas of river rock in my front yard. And I've realized, you know, most, most places in my yard I hate pulling weeds because I have to get down there and I kind of have to twist. And, you know, I tell my kids, you got to get the root. You just can't pull the top off. You know, you got to you got to get it. But I don't mind weeds in, in, in the river rock because you just grab it and it just pops right out, right? The whole thing. Because there's no real roots to it. And I think this is what Jesus is saying, that, that some of us have this shallow heart that the roots drop down, but they, 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 they can't really take root. 
And then Jesus says that when the, when the sun rises and, and the heat, you know, if you can't handle the heat, stay out of the kitchen. I think that's kind of what Jesus is saying. When the, when the heat rises, that, that it quickly just fades away. Whatever it was that began to spring to life just fades away. Some of us have this, this shallow heart, externally focused, a lot of times superficial, just on the outside. When things get difficult, our commitment fades. Now, this is going to sound kind of harsh. Go with me just for a moment. Usually, when we have this, this shallow heart, oh, by the way, I need to tell you this. I think all of us go through these stages, right? I think, I think sometimes we go through these stages where we have different kinds of a heart, and I think probably all of us could identify a moment when we were in this. But I think when things get difficult, our commitment fades. And here's our primary thought, and this sounds harsh, but our primary thought in Christianity is this. What can Jesus do for me? What can Jesus do for me? And as, as long as Jesus is doing for me, I'm all in. But as soon as life gets difficult, where's Jesus now? It's, it's almost like a, a therapeutic Christianity. Like as long as, as long as Christ is there to kind of fix me and, and what's around me, I'm good. But it, when it becomes difficult or, or challenging, then I'm not sure I want to stick around. Ugh. Okay, that's kind of harsh, isn't it? But that's like the shallow heart kind of thought, that, that the roots kind of get down just a little bit, just enough to spring up life, but as soon as the heat comes, it withers. The rocky soil. And then um, he says some, some seed falls, and it's actually pretty good soil where this seed falls. Um, couldn't find any thorns and thistles, so I found something that looks like it. I have no idea what it is, but, but it, if you look around, like if you, if you come up after the service and you kind of look around, it's so thick down here at the bottom that it would choke out the life of anything else, and Jesus says it falls, and it's, it's so packed in there. This, this is a cluttered heart. It's so packed in there that nothing can really take root in a way that it, it begins to flower and blossom and give fruit to life. Like it, it might grow for a little bit, but it's so cluttered. Um, this is like busyness, distraction, chaotic, hurried. Um, this, <laughs> this is probably the most common in the American landscape of Christianity. In fact, um, one of John Ortberg's mentors one time said, uh, the greatest challenge to, to our, our soul survival is, is the busyness of our lives, right? Being busy just, just robs us of what God wants to do in our lives. We often believe that life consists of what we accumulate. And that's not just stuff. It might be experiences, right? It might be relationships, that we just have so much in our life that God, he can't bring life out of that. It, it eventually, everything chokes out what God wants to do. Um, you might say it this way, rather than managing what we have, what we have begins to own us. Does that make sense? That there's just so much in our lives that, that there's no real life about it. And then the last one is this good soil. And this, Jesus says, this is where we're receptive and open and honest and there's, there's joy and there's hope that even with difficult external situations, and in external circumstances, there's, there's this 
this life that can come about because of the condition of the heart and the soul. This person who, who lives like this, who has this kind of heart, is oftentimes asking, how can I take whatever this truth is and how can I live it today? How can I walk this out today? Because this person realizes that this is where life comes from when we actually walk out the kingdom of God every single day. Now, I know this is kind of a crazy question, but from the outside, if you were to be able to choose what kind of heart you had, which would you choose? <laughs> it's a no-brainer, right? The difficulty is in being honest with the condition of your heart now. It's not in what you want, because we all want healthy soil. We all want joy and peace and hope, and we want, we want life. Every single one of us. The, the difficulty is in being honest with what we have. Well, the good news is, I'm going to leave this one right here, because I like looking at that one. Um, the good news is this. I don't think Jesus would tell us this story if the condition of our heart was fixed. Do you? You think Jesus would, would, would be rude that way and say, hey, if you've got the uh, packed down hard heart, sorry, life's going to stink for you. All right, but if you're open and honest, then you can have some, some life about you. No, no, Jesus tells this story because I think he believes that our hearts can change. Now, we want our hearts to change right now, don't we? I mean, we want it a once and done. I, I found this, this old painting. You guys, Van Gogh? Does that ring a bell, Van Gogh? Um, this painting, it's called The Sower. Have you ever seen this painting before? It's a beautiful painting. I, I wonder sometimes, I'm not an artist, uh, I wonder sometimes, how long does it take to do something like this? You ever wonder that? How long did it take him to paint this? And sometimes we think, oh, he probably just got a canvas and envisioned it, and he painted it maybe a couple days, a few weeks, I don't know, but it, how long did it take? Um, so, so I did a little research on the sower, and I realized that it took him years to get to this Van Gogh. Here's a little progression. Um, he began in 1881. There's his first little kind of sketch. And then 1884, to be honest, it looks like he went backwards. It's kind of like, that's not better than the first one. It, it's, it's darker lines, but I kind of like the first one better than I like the second one. But then you see what he got to in 1888, and you think, now that's just beautiful, right? Even if you're not an artist, 1888 looks better than 1881, doesn't it? There's this, there's this progression to the changing nature of our heart. It doesn't happen overnight. It's this, this ongoing, continual process. Okay, a couple takeaways and a challenge, and, and we'll be done. Um, the first one is this, that we have a role to play when it comes to the condition of our own hearts. You have a role to play, I have a role to play when it comes to the condition of our own hearts. A lot of times we like to think of the external circumstances and say, well, that is why I am who I am. But the truth is, we have a role and probably the primary role to play in the present condition of our hearts and the future condition of our hearts. In Proverbs it says this, um, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. It's this, this idea of not, not this... this uh, 
this hard-heartedness, but it's this protection of the heart. To, to make sure the heart is nurtured and opened in a way that the right things can get in. The right things that bring life. Because everything in your life flows from, from your heart. So, so guard it. Well, what does that look like? Well, it means that we're very careful about what we let come in. It means that we're very careful about what we allow to take root in our lives. When we continually allow the wrong things into our lives, the outcome is not going to be the healthy. It's, it's going to be one of these others. So we have a role to play. So we have to own that. We, we have to realize that that even though God can change our hearts, and that might begin fairly quickly, we must have the ongoing care. We, we must take careful notice of the condition of our hearts over time. It's not a once-and-done proposition. Second truth is this, that true faith endures the difficulties and challenges of life. That true faith in Christ endures the difficulties and the challenges that we all face in life. Now, quick question. Of these four soil types that Jesus talked about, how many of them were receptive to the seed when it first hit? How many out of four? Three. Three out of four were receptive to God's seed. Now, this is convicting to me. Three out of four received God's word with some sort of joy and excitement about what that could produce. But only one produced life. Does that make sense? It's not just the receptivity of the heart. It's endurance. It's, it's commitment to the faith. Long-term uh, Eugene Peterson called it a, a long obedience in the same direction. It's a long obedience in the same direction. It's this long-term commitment. Um, if you're married, this, this, this could be true about marriage, couldn't it? If you think about it, over time. When you, when you talk about your relationship with your spouse, you could think about it in, this, in these terms. In the spiritual world, in our daily life, it's endurance, long-term commitment to the faith that produces true life and fruit, not just for us, but for those around us. So here's our prayer for today, similar to last week, but simple. We're going to sing one last song, and as we do, here's the prayer. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Let's, let's, let's say that together. You ready? Um, let, let's, just, let's just read this out together as, as a prayer. Ready? Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. I, I think this is a good prayer every morning. Create in me a clean heart, God. Help me to nurture what's, what's deep within me. Soften what has become hard. Deepen that which is shallow. Weed out that which is crowded. Create in me a clean heart. So, where are you today? 
What's the condition of your heart today? Is it hard? Is it shallow? Is it crowded? Or is your heart open to God's truth? Let's stand together. Father God, you are a good God, and we sing to you. And um, God, I'm so thankful that we don't have this journey alone, but your spirit brings truth and conviction to us. And I pray that you would do that in these moments. God, for those in this room who have a hard heart, I pray that you would soften it and that you would begin this morning. I pray that that those who, who are there, that, that they would just crack open just a bit of their heart. And I pray that your truth would sink down deep and begin to break apart that, that hardness. God, for those who have a shallow heart, I pray that your roots would go down deep, that, that you would turn that soil in their heart and that something would take root, something lasting would take root. God, for those who who have cluttered their soul and their heart with many things, God, I pray that you would help them do the difficult task of weeding it out, to get rid of those things that choke and kill the truth of who you are. God, I pray that you would work some good soil into us this morning. God, thank you for your grace, your forgiveness, your hope, your peace that can bring life out of anything. And I pray that you would do that today in Jesus' name.